I'm Percy Everlin, and this is Eleven Again. Eleven Again is a podcast about the things that people were obsessed with when they were kids. So how the show works is, I ask a friend what was a thing that they were obsessed with when they were a kid, and we talk about it a little bit, then we go back and re-experience it, and then we talk about it again. As a listener, you shouldn't really have to read or watch along with us if you don't want to, but of course that's fun and totally up to you. Today I have my friend Will on. He picked Dreamgirls, which is the second movie musical we're doing on this show. The first was Chicago, and I'm a huge musical fan. I'm not particularly a theater kid or a performer in any sense, but I have watched a lot of musicals throughout my life. And of course, movie musicals are the most accessible form of musical. It's expensive to go see a show in real life. And not only are movie musicals incredibly wide-reaching, they usually come with soundtracks, which I feel like make the impact of the movie last longer. Oh, I haven't even, like, listened to the soundtrack. I haven't, like, prepped myself by listening to the soundtrack. And I still have all the songs stuck in my head. They just, like, came back to me without any prompting. Well, they're extremely catchy. They're all really good. Spoiler alert, but Eddie Murphy has an impeccable voice. <laughs> like, he sings a little bit in Shrek, and you're like, is that... Well, wow, that's Eddie Murphy singing in, in, in a donkey's body, huh? And mm-hmm. then he sings in Dreamgirls, and you're like, oh, oh, shit. And then you remember that Eddie Murphy had, like, a musical career before he was a comedian. He had a musical career? Yeah. Like, he was a singer before he was a comedian. I don't think that's something I forgot. I think that's something I never knew. Oh. Maybe I said, like, you forget as in, like, society forgets. But, Yeah. Before he had comedy records, he had musical records. But the thing about Dreamgirls that I was, I feel like, reckoning with is also that I think it had a bigger kind of impact on our, like, I don't know, on that cultural moment that I that I actually remember that it did. Just, like, it, I mean, it came out in 2006, so it was a little early for memes. But, like, there were certain scenes and, like, certain songs, like, listen. Listen. Like, <laughs> that just became, like, bigger than just a song in a movie. Do you know what I mean? I, I think I get you. Because, like, like Beyonce was already pretty well established before the movie came out. Because she had all her hits. Like, I think Crazy in Love was out before that. Destiny's Child was before that. So she was, like, pretty huge. But, like, I think Dreamgirls, like, helped blow her up to, like, the god status that she's at now. I was thinking about that, too. I think this is, this as, like, a Beyonce vehicle movie is very, very interesting. And I'm, like, looking forward to rewatching it sort of with that in mind. Because the other thing, though, is she... This isn't her first movie. She was in Goldmember. <laughs> Goldmember is a whole other episode. I can't even <laughs> I can't even think about that. Me right and now. my brothers really grew up on Austin Powers in a way that I think is like not healthy. Um <laughs> and I think like watching it every weekend. Just like we watched it a lot because it's one of my mom's like favorite movie franchises. <laughs> my mom loves like Austin Powers, Borat, Pink Panther, actually. My mom likes Pink Panther, like the old ones. It's like a problematic trifecta. Yeah, I, she just like loves stuff like that. So we watched a lot of Austin Powers. But back to what I was saying, Goldmember, I think, came out in 2002. Ooh. 
<laughs> yeah, gold member, wherein Beyonce played a character named Foxy Cleopatra. <laughs> I'm not saying it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it exists. And then in Dreamgirls, she was like, I think if I remember correctly, because I was reading the synopsis very recently, love to read me a synopsis. She was going to play Cleopatra in Dreamgirls, like in the movie Dreamgirls. It's like a little bit of a, a Beyonce cinematic universe going on. So like a singer in a movie playing a singer who's also going to be in a movie in the movie? Yes. Oh, I love Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get extremely meta with Dreamgirls this evening. <laughs> Did you see this movie in theaters? I saw it on Christmas Day 2006, like when it came out. Like I went, I had just moved to the Hudson Valley. I went to the theater to see it with my family on Christmas Day, and we were all like blown away by it. Like everyone in my family, including me, who saw that movie, was like shook to their core by Dreamgirls. I do love when like families get into movies or like families get into musicals, especially because then, of course, you buy the soundtrack and you play it in the car until everyone is fucking sick of it. You see, um, that is exactly what happened. And so, um, <laughs> When I moved to the Hudson Valley, I still went to middle school in the Bronx. So every single day, the CD on in the car would either be uh, Daughtry's debut album, Kelly Clarkson's oh my God. album, oh my God. or the Dreamgirls soundtrack, which is a weird like American Idol thing because all three yeah. of those people either won or were involved in American Idol. But it was a lot of Breakaway, a lot of Daughtry's album. Oh, you're right. And Wait, Jennifer Hudson? Yeah, Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson was on American Idol. Yeah, she was, I think she came in like third or fourth place in the same season that Fantasia won. I don't know why I remember all this, but... Wait, was Kelly Clarkson involved in American Idol? She, Kelly Clarkson was the first winner of American Idol. Oh my God. Yeah. And then she was in that movie from Justin to Kelly with Justin... Guerreri, who was second place in American Idol. Wow, you know a lot more about American Idol than I thought <laughs> you did. I watched I watched an unfortunate amount of American Idol and America's Next Top Model as a kid. This is like I think these things are all weirdly connected in middle school. I watched a lot of America's Next Top Model. Me and my dad watched American Idol together. That was like me and my dad's thing that we did together. Did you vote? No, we never voted. Did you vote? <laughs> I think once. I think I hate... Okay, this is... I don't want to get like <laughs> too off topic, but I think I hated Diana DeGarmo a lot. Okay. So I voted a, on, for the opposite person of Diana DeGarmo, okay. who was probably Fantasia. <laughs> I just remember my dad like actually being susceptible to the like backstories that they would make the contestants do. <laughs> I have a really strong memory of my dad. Like, It was actually a really, really sad story. It was like someone talking about like fetal alcohol syndrome or whatever it is that when like you're born with like an addiction because your parent was addicted to something and my dad's just like crying and i was really young and i was like what's happening is he okay this is a show about singers on a stage oh my god that's like one of my strongest american idol memories anyway so you were listening to American Idol-centric music on the way to school every day. One of your parents drive you every morning? Yeah. My mom drove me from... Uh, so Washingtonville is like 
not to name drop where I live. Don't <laughs> don't go to my parents' house. It's an hour outside of the Bronx, so we would drive an hour to middle school oh. every single day. And thus we would listen to the Dream Girls soundtrack cover to cover at least once a day. And like this is why this week I started thinking about Dream Girls and then all the songs just came back to me. Yeah. Did you guys like watch the movie Dream Girls too or was it mostly just the soundtrack after you saw it the first time? <laughs> For every, like, seven times we listened to the soundtrack cover to cover, we watched the movie, I think. Oh, Something my God. Something ridiculous like that. So a like, lot. It was one of those movies that was on repeat. In my, it was, like, either The Godfather, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Ooh. so my brother would stop crying, or Dreamgirls on in my house constantly. You know Atlantis, The Lost Empire is my 11 again. Like, your? Mine. 11 again? Yeah, like, my 11 again. Like, if you did an episode with yourself? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it would be about atlantis the lost empire when's that happening i have to find someone who, who can do a convincing um version of me <laughs> the 11th anniversary spectacular is yeah. gonna be you talking to yourself for an hour and a half that was like the dvd i guess we had, it was a dvd that we had yeah um i used to like physically carry it around with me like i wasn't watching it i just like had it with me <laughs> like a little trinket that's so adorable <laughs> Here's me and my DVD. Very strange. Um, but so it was like on TV or it was like you guys were like putting. No, the, we had the we were putting it you on. were putting it on like we were put we were subdu- at, a, at a certain point. I got like sick and tired of seeing and listening to Dreamgirls <laughs> all the time. But my mom and sister never did. Oh, really? So they were constantly singing like the the big Jennifer Hudson song. What was it called again? Uh, and I am telling you I'm not going that one like they were constantly like belting it every day in our house and i was like okay um i'm over it but with i think with the distance from it i've like grown to appreciate it a lot more because like then i i eventually became like a theater kid and i don't think i would have been a theater kid if not for watching that musical as a kid and being like i i want to do that (laughs) I want to sing songs on a stage. <laughs> I didn't know that you were a theater kid. I guess that's surprising. Like I in feel high like school? Theater ki- yeah. Theater kids always like tell you when they were theater kids. So the fact that it hasn't come out yet is <laughs> utterly shocking. But yeah, I was only for one year, but I was in the musical Anything Goes. I mean, sometimes they don't tell you and you just meet them and you know, <laughs> like Stephen, <laughs> you meet Stephen Hilger and you're like, there he goes, a theater kid. Well, you know because he's screaming is at you constantly. No shade to Steven. Love you if you're listening. What was I going to say? Oh, so did you have like a rejection phase? Yeah. It was like, good Lord, I don't want to hear this anymore. I can't stand the sound of Jennifer Hudson's voice. And like seeing Jennifer Hudson and Cats kind of like brought that up again a little bit last really? year. Yeah. <laughs> New Year's Day last year when I went to see Cats in the theater for some reason. And like that, I I like to think that that making that decision caused every bad thing in the rest of the year was starting my year <laughs> off with Cats 2019. But yeah, seeing Jennifer Hudson and that kind of like brought back those feelings of, oh, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't do this again. I can't go through this again. How old were you? I guess 2006. How old were you when you were like, I'm done with this? Was it like six months or like a year or like five years? I th- So not to break canon or anything, but I was 13 when Dreamgirls came out. 
and I think I was 13 and a half when I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I have to, I yeah. stopped listening to Beyonce. The song Irreplaceable was grating to me because it like <gasps> I think it came out around the same time. N- that song's sick. Now I love it again. I enjoy listening to Beyonce now, but back then I like I it I think it might have like kicked off my like emo aggressive music like listening to 9 Inch Nails and Queens of the Stone Age and like my chemical romance phase was just because I didn't want to hear Beyonce anymore. Pop music is over. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I, I can't, uh, honestly, it's just not for me. It's just not like emotional enough. It's not developed enough for me. I can't do it. I definitely went through that. Like I don't listen to pop music phase. I think when I was more like a little older, like more in high school when like Justin Bieber was popular and people were like Bieber heads essentially. And I was like, ew, <laughs> Because I was never really like a Jonas Brother <laughs> fan, and then Bieber came out, and I remember like girls watching his music videos and being like, "Oh my god, he's so cute, he's so hot." And I was like, <laughs> "Pop music's just not for me." Literally, you were not like those other girls. I don't know what I was listening to at that time, like the Antlers. Oh, the Antlers! <laughs> Pop music isn't for me. I want to be clinically depressed <laughs> now, so I'm going to listen to the Antlers. That timing seems wrong, but maybe it's not. When did? <laughs> Um, the Antlers' acclaimed album Hospice came out in 2009. Oh, I think that timing is right then. <laughs> in 2009, I was a freshman in high school. Oh, wee baby. <laughs> he says two years older than you, but like still. So anyway, yeah, that was my virginity. <laughs> I was like, I'm really into um, Vampire Weekend. <laughs> what was your dream girl's rejection phase? <laughs> yeah, I listened to the downward spiral because I couldn't stand the optimism of dream girls anymore <laughs> anyway it took me a while to come back to pop music but then like ariana carly grande Jepsen did it for me yeah carly ray jepson ariana grande like i don't know the past like four years really worked for me <laughs> i mean like i will say it's like a combination of people kind of stopped caring what other people think in general things girls like became cool again mm. because everyone hated things girls like for right. a really long time yeah um, so that like has its own suckiness inherently and also pop got better I think because like the 80s influence came back so everyone was like wow it's it's like that it's like Ghostbusters but music and, uh. <laughs> what could you give like a very brief synopsis of what dream girls is about okay dream girls is a, a musical movie very loosely based on the career of the Supremes, a Motown girl trio. And the musical itself is based on a pre-existing musical called Dreamgirls. And every character in, or most of the characters in Dreamgirls were based on actual people in Motown. Like Smokey Robinson inspired the songwriter for the Dreamettes in the movie. Yeah, there's a bunch of like big and Motown folks who are, who inspire characters in that movie. It's yeah, it's like the rise of a um, Motown group and what comes of that. And also like black people appeasing white audiences. I think there's a little bit less of a focus on that, though. Like there could have been more of a focus on that, but it's only like, oh, no, we experienced racism anyway. Like that's kind of yeah what the movie does. Do you have like a part of the movie that you remember really, really liking? Every time I think of that movie, I think of the song step into the bad side 
and the whole like scene with Ooh. that where they transition from the doing the choreography and writing the song in like a studio all the way into like them performing it live and like Eddie Murphy's version of it and it's really really good yeah do you so you like you make music uh occasionally <laughs> um this movie is like a lot about like music production to a certain extent as much as like a movie ever is i guess i was just wondering like do you were you thinking about that as at all as a kid or is this kind of like a hindsight thing uh, a little bit of hindsight. I will say the movie is kind of about like how trying to have a career in music inherently sucks, no matter who you are. <laughs> so there's that. Um, so maybe that might have like discouraged me a little bit if I was aiming that way. But also, I didn't start playing guitar until I was 15. It like it made might have like inspired me to sing a little more. Like my whole family likes singing, regardless of how good or bad some members of it are. But I think it definitely helped. Like, in hindsight, yeah, it would probably, like, push me a, a smidge just because I like singing Step into the Bad Side. So. <laughs> Do you have, like, a musical family? Uh, No. My dad... Oh, okay, I hope none of them are listening. But my mom can sing and has had <laughs> dreams of going, like, quitting her job now and going into, like, and taking mm-hmm. acting classes and going into theater, which I hope she does someday. Wow. I love you, Mom. Um, And... My my dad may or may not be tone deaf. Like, he can't even whistle. Um, oh. It's really just me, kind of. Okay. I come from, like, a staunchly unmusical family. <laughs> not, like... And everybody, like, loves to listen to music. It's not like that. Like, my parents, whenever I'm doing anything in the kitchen, like, cooking or cleaning or whatever, they're like, someone put music on. What are we just sitting around in <laughs> silence for? You know, there's always a sort of need for a good playlist. But none of us can sing and none of us play instruments no (laughs) it could be you pv it's not too late um it could be me but it won't be (laughs) (laughs) i also only found out my dad had good music taste like recently because he just never discussed anything he liked in terms of even when he he gave me my first guitar but he never told me about anything he's like i want to hear you play this song he was like good luck you can do it what happened that's it that made you realize it um, like recent, like a few months ago, he sent me like 15 Sly and the Family Stone YouTube links, and he's like, "Hey, here, listen to these. Check these out. You like the Talking Heads?" And I'm like, "Where was this when I was growing what? up? <laughs> I could have been cool. I could have talked to my friends about the Talking Heads. Yeah, I just had to figure it out on my own. I had to tell them about Eddie Murphy singing, I believe, in Shrek. Oh my God." Okay, what well, do you remember the last time that you saw the movie? I think I was a kid. Like I think this was like maybe early high school was the last time I seen the film. Okay, great. Yeah, let's dredge up some good stuff. I can't wait. What you need is a break. And I'm here to give it to you. You swear? If I'm lying, I'm dying. One, two, three, hit me! $400 a week to sing behind Mr. Jimmy Early on the road starting tomorrow morning. Hey, thank you so much. You're saving Jimmy's life. I'm at your feet. I'll do anything for y'all. Exactly what would you like Jimmy to do for you, baby? Oh, I know what's happening. I've been around. I don't believe this all can be happening to me. Miracles happen all the time, baby. 
there's got to be a better way for us to get our music, our artists, to a broader audience. Y'all gonna stay here and open your own act. Did you say our own act? <laughs> Effie, then it's gonna sing lead. What do you mean? I always sing lead. We are dreaming Change. I'm talking change. I like just want to sit and listen to step into the bad side that oh I like I was dancing through the entire movie because I was folding laundry while watching and like the entire time it was like a little laundry bop little laundry butt shake one thing I noticed watching this film again I was annoyed by it at first and then by the end I was like hmm is that Jamie Foxx doesn't seem to care anytime he's singing. I don't know if you like notice that too. But like everyone else is like giving it their all. They got the neck veins. They're like moving around whenever they sing, including Eddie Murphy. Danny Glover doesn't sing in this film, but he he gives it his all too. <laughs> but anytime Jamie Foxx is singing, he's like just standing completely still and barely moving his mouth. And at first I was like, damn, Jamie Foxx really phoning this one in. But by the end I was like, wait a minute. He's like a record producer. Of course, he's not going to be invested in the actual songs and performances. All he cares about is like the money aspect. You think it was on purpose? Maybe. Because like he was constantly like lying and scheming people. Spoiler alert, Dreamgirls 2006. (laughs) But every time he's like singing to someone he loves, anytime he's singing like to let someone know their family, he's just like dead eyed and like doesn't care. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think if it was on purpose, I would think that it's more like him being manipulative. Yeah. All the time. They really... Uh, Jamie Foxx is like the... He's like a manager, publicist guy. And he's just the straight up villain. They just made him the villain. He's yeah. the villain of the story. And so everything he does is like low-key evil. Well, and in some cases, high-key too. Like, yeah. He says things like Beyonce's mom in the film is like, that makes my daughter seem like a product. And Jamie Foxx straight up says, hmm, Jamie Foxx, whose character I believe is Curtis in the film. He says, hmm, product. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think they could have done more with his character because like, like you said earlier, a lot of the movie is about sort of breaking out of just being like a black group for only black audiences into like being mainstream into like getting on the pop charts and like reaching white audiences and jamie fox i mean i just feel like they make him one note evil like he's just after like money and power he's twisting his mustache (laughs) but he does like he's the person who is like we need to expand like we should not just be like making chump change like we have the chops we should be on the pop charts like he's essentially like anti-segregationist and i feel like they i I feel like they could have played that up a little bit of him being like i don't know like pro-black in a way instead of him just being like conniving another one of my takeaways from this film was that this movie wasn't all like now looking back this movie isn't as pro-black as it possibly could have been like because of the way they portray riots as just like straight up violence without cause like they don't there's a bunch of riots going on in the film and they don't explain like why they're happening or why these like they just show all the burning and violence and gun firing and there's no like not even a hint of what they don't say like 
uh, MLK was assassinated, which I believe was what yeah. caused the riots in that instance. But I, if I'm not mistaken, they don't actually say that in the film. They just show black people destroying property. And it's like, this isn't... You could have done a little better. And also the characters in the film weren't feeling the same rage as the people on the streets were feeling, which doesn't seem right. Yeah, I think... Well, first of all, I think the movie would have been made differently today. Yeah. You know, this is this is still 14 years ago. It's not an insignificant amount of time. I mean, Black Lives Matter, like, wasn't a thing, really, as far as I know. What was I going to say? Yeah, the only part where they really talked about it was when they do... They do that song, and I actually thought it was, like... They they have like a wait like chill it's out like, patience little sister exactly that, that song and I was like very much respectability politics with that like For sure. <laughs> yeah that's the first thing I thought oh my god <laughs> like you know what if you just sit and wait everything you want will come eventually as long as you're patient and nice and good like it's Christmas and it's like bruh that's not not what's that's not what we need to hear at, at least especially not right now. What people need to hear. Oh my God. Can you imagine MLK being assassinated and you're going to put out a song that's like, just relax, wait just around a little down, bit. Kids. It's a good song though. It's like <laughs> slaps. Right. It's a good song. And, and they're pitching it to Jamie Foxx being like, we're upset. And like, someone says like, my brother's fighting in Vietnam for like a war I don't believe in. And you know, they're just saying like kind of generic. 70s points. It's the 70s in an angry tone. <laughs> like Right. And so we wrote this song about patience. <laughs> we wrote the Tame Impala song, Patience, released as a single in 2017. <laughs> so that felt like a little off to me. Maybe I think it's because it's a more personal story, honestly. Yeah. They, they don't really try to make it about like, it's not like, it's not like 42 or whatever that Jackie Robinson movie was. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? This is not a movie about the Supremes, the first black group to like bridge the racial divide that's not what the movie it's, it's is a about. movie musical like meant to get people going with groovy tunes i think yeah and mostly what you feel and what you're thinking about is like the characters relationships with each other yeah the performances in this film on the part of everyone are incredible like everyone gave like include like even though i said before jamie fox like was kind of like seemed to be phoning it in singing. I think that was important because he's like a shitty music mogul who like just is like a mover and shaker and doesn't really care about the art. He just cares about selling it. So like I thought that was yeah. excellent. I think like Beyonce was incredible. Beyonce was really good. <laughs> Throughout the film, everyone's like, and her voice sucks. And it's because like she uh, replaces Effie, who was yeah. played by Jennifer Hudson. Uh, Beyonce's character's name is Dina, by the way, based on Diana Ross. Yeah, like every, throughout the film, everyone's like, and her voice is so like tinny and light and garbage. And why is she in the front? Because she's pretty. And it's like looking back, it's like it's that's that's Beyonce. We all heard Lemonade. We know Beyonce can <laughs> sing really well. Like we all love her voice. Yeah. So, like it's funny to hear like her voice is flat and stupid. <laughs> like from every, including her own mother, is like Dina sucks. <laughs> it's like, damn. Her and Jennifer Hudson have different, vo- like they have different voices. They have very different tones to their voices. Oh, for sure. Beyonce could not sing Memory from the Cats 2019 <laughs> film the way Jennifer Hudson can. I'm trying to think of a so-and-so could do this, but the other person couldn't do that <laughs> equivalent for this. Jennifer Hudson. <laughs> Effie could lead the dream girls, but Beyonce could not sing Memory. Beyonce is not the Jellicle choice. <laughs> um, but she works in this film. 
Like, I'm really sold on her being that character. The thing, though, I was, I misremembered, I think, going back to the, like, I think they didn't talk about this issue in the way that I was expecting, is that they say that Beyonce is going to become the main, the lead singer, Mm -hmm. because she's, like, pretty and her voice is better for the pop charts. And they also say she's skinny, which I think is, is... is in contrast directly to Jennifer Hudson, but they also don't say the things that I was thinking that I remembered, which were that like, first of all, like Eurocentric standards of beauty require thinness. Yeah. And that she's light skinned. I don't think they ever really say that. They just call her pretty, but I don't think they ever call her light skinned. I think they might say like lighter once, like maybe one time. And I know that like, in the film, like when they first perform together and Effie's still leading, all the white people in the audience are looking at Beyonce like, hey, who's that? Beyonce? And like, <laughs> Is that Beyonce and the Dreamettes? I, I think that's like their attempt at showing like, ooh, this light-skinned uh, black woman is very, <laughs> hmm. And it's a little, little weird, but yeah. yeah, they never do. Also, not to cut away from the, the discourse, but... <laughs> What did you think of Eddie Murphy's performance looking back? Oh, I loved it. Thirteen years of solid gold platters. Rising costs and cocktail chatter. Fat digits. <laughs> Stereophonic sound of the game of hits <laughs> goes around and around. But you can fake your way to the top, round and around. Try that part right there, baby. Round and around. Fake your way to the top. Round and around. Yeah, you fell right in there, didn't you, sweetheart? You can fake your way to the top. Like, wasn't he, like, incredible? <laughs> he's just, like, it almost, like, transcends any performance he's ever done. It's. I think it was putting, like, in terms of Eddie Murphy's, like, history as a comedic actor, I think it was putting his, like, raunchy 80s, like, character that he used to be into, like, injecting it into that role in the mid-2000s, which I thought was really cool. And also his voice is like excellent. He sounds <laughs> so, so good. I think it's almost like, like you were saying, because he was a singer, I think it it felt like to me, like this was his chance to be the singer that he like <laughs> never really was. And he fucking loved it. Do you know what I mean? Like he like dove into this character of uh, Jimmy Early. and um, <laughs> Thunder Jimmy Early. Thunder Jimmy Early. And um, just like, yeah, li- like really living it up. It was like he's going for the thing that he always wanted but never got, which is to be like a, sex, a <laughs> sexy singer, like superstar. Like from 10 years before when his career started. Yeah. Also, like like in the backdrops of every one of Eddie Murphy's performances, or at least in Step Into the Bad Side, the choreography leading up to it, like when um, Effie's brother whose name is escaping me, is writing the song into like the actual choreography with the tambourines during the song is awesome. Like the choreography in this movie during the stage performances 
is so good. Yeah. And it only happens like three or four times, which is a little sad. I wanted more. It also, it was like the most traditionally musical, like Broadway stage musical part of the yeah. movie, I think, that sort of choreography. And I was thinking, I actually wanted to expand on this part particularly because I've always been musical geared. I don't know, like my brain will lock onto musicals like it doesn't lock on to a lot of things. And I always wonder like why what that thing is that like itches that part in my head that really gets me about musicals. And I think it's particularly song and dance. Mm. It's something, there's something about seeing someone singing and dancing at the same time. I know that sounds simplistic, but it's also why I really like music videos. I love a good music video like that's dance oriented. I this is simple, but I don't know why it's like very important to me that like when like singing great, dancing great, when people are singing and dancing. <laughs> Everyone loses their mind. I fucking lose my mind. <laughs> I, I know that part is one of my favorite parts. It's, it's my favorite song on the soundtrack. That's the one I was singing before I watched the film, like every day. Yeah. Step into the mansion. Step into the mansion. WBMN, Chicago's number one station, bringing you the CAQZLA, the soundtrack. Good evening, Atlanta. You're tuned to WMLA. Here's this week's hit. Step into the mansion. Ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome to the Apollo Theater's legendary stage, Jimmy Early and the Dreamettes, singing their number one hit, Step Into the Bad Side. I, I just think, like, you don't, there's no genre where, like, you have song and dance the same way that a musical has it. And, like, that's magic and the whole point is the hamminess like the quote-unquote badness of it i think even though i don't think they're bad i think like part of it is like the experience being like way over the top yeah it's drama but um the other choreography moment i was thinking of that um i i hope you appreciate because i really did that i didn't even think about the first time i watched this film was that um so Effie sings a song called One Night Only when mm-hmm. she's trying to come back to the like mainstream into the recording industry, make her break back in after she gets kicked out of the dream girls yeah. and left for dead on the side of the road. And Curtis steals the song and like payolas it. So the radio only plays the remix, the disco remix that he makes. And unfortunately, the disco remix of it of One Night Only is it's incredible. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It like hurts because like I yeah of course Jennifer <laughs> Hudson's version is excellent I love her we all love Effie but when you hear this disco version and you see like balconies full of voguing dancers dressed in glitter like and they all jump off the balconies onto the stage and start like voguing around the dream girls. oh my god yes that's such it's, a funny it's scene. incredible and like when I was a kid I was like fuck you Curtis how dare you steal Effie's song she worked so hard and as an adult I'm like. You know, this, um, maybe Effie should just let this one lie. This song's pretty good. <laughs> one night only. You want all my love, my devotion. You want my love and soul right on the line. I have no doubt that I can love you forever. Beyond. 
I had the exact same thought. I was like, oh yeah, One Night Only. I remember that song. I was like, but I remember it being like fast paced. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then you, Jamie Foxx was fucking like bribing DJs into playing his <laughs> disco One Night Only. I'm like, yes, good, good, good. This is what, you know what? Maybe like bribing your way into like being a shitty music executive is a good thing. Maybe I can get behind this if it gives me, especially in like a year or well, uh, a last year in 2020 when like disco made a huge resurgence in like popular music, like hearing that and like seeing the 70s fits, it's oh. just, it just hit really right in a really unfortunate way. It was like literally capitalism, like paying for me to enjoy <laughs> I it know, and buying into it. That's like a theme over and over again is like in the musical, which is like which songs will be popular and which ones won't. And you know, all the characters have different opinions and there's also, besides the opinions, all the characters have, like, things that they want to do because it's important to them or they think that this song, like, the Patience Child song or <laughs> um, Effie's One Night Only, like, you know, songs that are a little bit slower and a little bit more emotional and these characters, like, want those songs to be hits too. And then Jamie Foxx was always like, no, it's gotta have a beat, it's gotta be poppy, like, let the people groove. And I was like... Oh no, I agree with Jamie Foxx. <laughs> oh no. I'm like, make a disco pop album. Maybe, maybe capitalism is good, actually. <laughs> maybe injecting money into art is the right thing to do. <laughs> Though I have to say, I would have to double check, but you know there's usually one dud in every musical. There's usually one slow song that you're kind of like, okay, move on. I get it. We're getting, Let's get yeah, this we're over getting, with. I don't really think there were any songs that I was really like drumming my fingers on the table through. <laughs> Come on, yeah. move it. Um, the only one that comes to mind is the one where like uh, Jimmy like loses it on TV <laughs> and like has to go back to being like a a soul singer and like drops his pants. Like maybe that one only because I know what's coming immediately yeah. after. Like, I think when you're watching musicals over and over again, eventually, like, you start to associate the plot with the songs. And when you know, like, this song happens immediately before someone dies, like in Rent with um, I'll Cover You. That's the name yeah. of the song in Rent. Like, immediately after I'll Cover You, like, Angel dies. And it's like, what? But. No, thank you. I do love I'll Cover You, though. <laughs> I mean, the Rent soundtrack yeah. slaps. I'm sorry. Like, there's no getting around that. No matter how dumb Rent is. <laughs> That's the only one I can think of, like, off top. But the rest of them are all yeah. all bops. Like, uh, Fake Your Way to the Top. Incredible. Listen. Listen. To fucking... Yeah. Ugh. That, that song came out the same year as Irreplaceable. I actually did some research into Irreplaceable after <laughs> slandering it in the um, intro yeah. recording. And I was like, damn, I didn't realize those two songs were like little twins. I think Sasha Fierce came out that year. Oh my god, I always forget about Sasha Fierce. Why does Sasha Fierce exist? I don't fully understand. I, is it like a... She was going through something. She was trying to impress Jay-Z, I guess. Oh, well, it worked. <laughs> is that like one of the... Is Sasha Fierce like her like Britney Spears isn't a baby anymore kind of thing? Like, is that her like, I'm not this little girl. I'm a sexy woman. Yeah, but she was already that when she did uh, Crazy in Love. You're right. I think I think it's more like an uh, identity type thing, like David Bowie doing Ziggy Stardust, if anything. But I don't know. I also haven't listened to the entire album, so. Yeah. Or is it like David 
Bowie doing the Thin White Duke. Let's not put Beyonce purchased Nazi memorabilia out into the ether. Yikes. I did think, though, in the movie, how did you like the, like, movie subplot in the movie? Oh, like the Cleopatra thing? Yeah, and then that other movie that she's trying to, like, do by herself. Yeah, where John Lithgow and John Krasinski make a cameo appearance as a scummy Hollywood director-writer duo. I I saw them and I was like, wait, what? What? What are you doing here? And that's two that's two Shrek people in the <laughs> uh, Dreamgirls universe. We got Lord Farquaad and Donkey. Oh my God, Lithgow's Lord Farquaad. Yeah. Like I was like, what is John Krasinski doing Shrek? <laughs> John Krasinski puts the stapler and Jello in Shrek. No. Um, <laughs> Um, okay 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 so it seemed like what are your thoughts on the the only possible reason i could see oh so just some explanation there's like a subplot in dream girls which is that jamie fox is trying to get beyonce to act in this movie cleopatra which like takes forever to get made i don't think it ever does get made uh beyonce at the same time is also trying to get like her own movie made that she's like interested in as a side project um her and Jamie Foxx are married at this point. And the only reason I could see for that, like, plot is that they're, like, not on the same page. It's just to show they're, like, moving apart. It just seemed like they didn't need to do that much. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't need a John Krasinski <laughs> cameo to explain that her and Jamie Foxx were, like, not as close as they used to be. It's just weird when that character could have been literally anyone and they picked, like, John Lithgow and John Krasinski. Like, you could have just picked two random white guys and it would have been fine. <laughs> the same thing would have been accomplished. That stuff always makes me think that it's, like, the directors doing their friends a favor. Yeah. Or maybe they were... Are they... Are John Lithgow and John Krasinski in all the musical movies directed by this guy? Because it's the same director as Chicago and some other ones, isn't it? Oh, is it? I actually yeah. don't know who the director was. I don't remember his name. Bill Condon. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're right. Chicago... Kinsey, Dreamgirls, The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, Part One, <laughs> The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, Part Two. What a what a career this man has. We love some versatility, some range. I do not think John Krasinski or John Lithgow are in Chicago. <laughs> How unfortunate. In fact, I'm like pretty sure that they're not. Almost a hundred percent sure. What is John C. Riley but Chicago's John Lithgow? Oh, another John. That's nothing. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> Anyway, what was your favorite song in the movie? Like of all of them? I do really like the scene when they're they sort of all turn on Effie. I, I know it's weird to like that <laughs> scene, but rhythmically it's kind of fun. Yeah. Like interesting. Just the sort of like barrage and the way it's done. And the way she fights it all back too. Yeah. Like she holds her own against an entire group of people. There you are, Effie. I've been looking all over. I turn my back and find myself out on the line. You could have warned me, but that would have been too kind. I've been warning you for months to clean up your act. You've been late, you've been mean, giving all kinds of bullshit flat. That's a lie, that's a lie. It's just I haven't been feeling that well. Effie, please, stop excusing yourself. You've been late, you've been mean, and getting fat all the time. Now you're lying, you're lying, I've never been so thin. You're lying, you're lying, cause... 
especially in like friend groups like there's always a lot of chatter behind the scenes there's always a lot of talking behind the back but then when when things go really sour all of a sudden everybody has something to say and it's like oh okay okay. fucking i guess i'll just take my leave then yeah oh like you guys were all having issues with me and you weren't gonna say anything but like you guys were all (laughs) fucking talking about it behind my back that's a real shitty move um is this did this happen to you today no (laughs) i don't know (laughs) That was some real, that was like a real. It has never happened to me. We're going to use Eleven again to air our dirty oh laundry. And that's when I said. <laughs> that would for real be my worst nightmare. <laughs> I am like at heart a people pleaser. I don't know if that's obvious to anybody. <laughs> but I'm like constantly need people to like think good things about me and like like me. Hmm. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Every. <laughs> It's like every <laughs> never mind, fuck it. <laughs> so when they all turned on her, I don't know. It, yeah, it just felt like a toxic friend group breaking up. Like in a way yeah. that was like scary and real. Like all of a sudden, you know, no one will say it to your face until until they know that everyone else is like ready to say it to her face. You know what I mean? Which sucks. Because if everyone had just been honest from the start, like but you also like not to I don't want to place blame on anyone, but you got to wonder if like Effie having because like it's established very early on in the film that Effie is like the sole deciding factor of the group doing anything. And you have to wonder if like, of course, Effie being replaced sucks a lot, but you have to wonder if Effie losing that power, like her grip on the group was what like drove her up a wall and eventually to like being kicked out, Yeah, which sucks because like she was kicked out for bad reasons yeah i mean listen listen she's a a diva and they call her a diva and like and they portray her as a diva you know she's like i'm the lead i have the voice i think that you know i don't sing back up i mean they establish her as having like diva tendencies from the beginning but also like once beyonce is the lead singer or once D- I just keep on calling her Beyonce. Once, D- <laughs> once Dina's the lead singer, Effie would have never lasted in that group anyway. You know what I mean? Like it's it wasn't in her self interest to be in that position because that's not what she wants out of life. You know, she doesn't want to be a backup singer. She said that herself. So in some ways, it's like, I mean, she has a really shitty time after she gets kicked out of the group. But in some ways, it's like getting fired from a job that wasn't good for you in the long run anyway and like helps you move on i'm not gonna leave you there's no way i will and i am telling you i'm not going you're the best man i'll ever know 
Yeah. So I don't know. The good and the bad. Effie's a really interesting character. She is. And also Jennifer. I wish Jennifer Hudson had like been in more. Damn. This did like I was worried that this was gonna end up being like Will talks about Beyonce for thirty five minutes, but <laughs> What what how much more did you have to say about Beyonce? Yeah, not much more needs to be said. Okay, but what were I was you just like <laughs> what's in there? <laughs> I think one... So I have a little story about Beyonce. Yes, yes. Um, one time, I was hanging out in Columbia University with some friends who went to Columbia University, and they brought me to this dive bar. And I really wanted to dance. And I asked if there was dancing at this dive bar. And they were like, no one has ever danced at this dive <laughs> bar. It's the saddest dive ever. It's all just English majors. You're not going to have fun, but we're going to go because there's nothing else to do. And it's 1 a.m. So we went to this, I think it was called like the 1110 or something like that. We went to this dive bar and the music was starting to ramp up a little bit. And I was like, I thought y'all said, I was, I was like definitely grooving a little bit. I started feeling it. I was very drunk. And I walked into the bathroom, and as I was at the urinal, I heard the first guitar notes of Say My Name. And I, like, finished as fast as I could, like, washed, etc. did everything you need to do in the bathroom, <laughs> kicked the door out, and, like, pointed at my friend and started, like, dancing over to her. And then the, the bar erupted, and... <laughs> everyone started losing their shit and dancing really hard and we had to leave as one two step by cr and missy <gasps> elliott came on and we just sprinted out of the bar saying shake it like jello make the boy say hello <laughs> and i was told that that was like the first time anyone had ever danced in that bar oh in their God. memory it was very exciting and that is what i have to thank beyonce for i can't believe you walked out on one two step yeah well, I mean, I danced out on one two step. It wasn't. <laughs> Both parts of those stories, I feel like, are incredibly relatable. One, going to the bathroom and then hearing the song <laughs> that you actually want to dance to come on while you're, like, in line for the bathroom or, like, about to, like, pull your pants down and be like, fuck. <laughs> Not now, please. Not now. It's always now. <laughs> <laughs> and same thing, like, on your way out being like, oh, one more song. Yeah, the one more song thing's fucked up. Like it's that'll keep you at bars until like four a.m. Yeah. But anyway, thank you, Beyonce. Thank you, Jennifer Hudson. Thank you, Eddie Murphy. Thank you, Jamie Fox. Mm. Actually, no. Fuck you, Jamie Fox. Thank Foxx. you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to have to get into it. Thank you, John Lithgow and John Krasinski. Yeah. Um. Also, the oh, what is her name? The third dreamette. Anika Noni Rose. Yes, Anika Noni Rose. She voiced Tiana. Yes. In Princess and the Frog. Yeah. That's the thing. I think she was in Dreamgirls and she plays this kind of like cute sort of innocent character who's like hooking up with Eddie Murphy on the sly because Eddie Murphy is married the whole time. But I think after Dreamgirls, everybody was like, she's fucking great and she can sing. And like, what else can we do with her? And then I think she finally like got hers in The Princess yeah. and the Frog. That's excellent. Did you did it really bring you back to like being a kid and singing along in the car? Um, considering that I hadn't heard these songs in many years and uh, knew a lot of the words to a lot of them from memory from 15 years ago. Yeah, it 
it really did do that it was really like especially when they were singing uh fake your way to the top and i like started singing along and like moving and i was like wait what's happening to me i can't get the groove out like it was really good did you tell your family that you were rewatching it i did um i have some some bad news for you is i was on i was talking to my mom like a minute before and she was like let me come on and i was like no and then, uh, <laughs> is the bad news that you didn't let your mom on i did not my mom is not going to be on the podcast but why, she says hi why is that your decision this but, seems like it should be my decision maybe next time i've had two moms on the podcast and i would love to have more <laughs> how she can she can someday but i was like mom i can't do this right now ne- next time next time percy i'm gonna ask her to send it in a submission a late submission <laughs> and i'll drop her in what's her name my mom's name is sarah sarah yeah and she loves dream girls a lot what what did she want to say on the pod she just like was like let me but and i was like oh okay <laughs> let's <laughs> let's relax <laughs> let me i got a good radio that's not how my mom sounds at all i don't i can't imitate my mom i'm not good at impressions but <laughs> i can't imitate my mom either uh. especially because like she has an accent and i can't do her accent at all um i have heard that my mom has an accent but i can't tell that she has an accent do you have the same thing yes the the time the like schism in my life that made me realize my mom has an accent is that i picked up the phone once like someone called me and i picked up the phone and someone started talking to me and i thought it was my mom for a second and then i was like what wait this isn't my mom and it was my mom's sister it was my aunt and i was like that that's silly like my mom doesn't have an accent <gasps> <laughs> Does my blast. mom have an accent? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I guess, I mean, I don't, I don't know why I didn't think about it, but obviously they sound similar. And I know for a fact that my aunt has an accent, but I don't know why I didn't think my mom had an accent. My mom's accent is very like New York City Latina. Was your mom like, is she from New York City? Was she born there? Uh, Yeah, she's from the Bronx. She's from the Bronx. Oh, yeah. wow. Then she has the real deal. Yeah. Well, no, she, she doesn't talk like this or anything, but like... <laughs> Like I definitely had more of a Bronx accent than my mom did when. Oh, I, I just but, heard it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we all kind of lost it a little bit, except for my dad. This is Will's family time. My dad still has it 100. percent Oh, I love that. I love regional accents. Like I wish we had more regional accents. I'm sad that I don't have a Philly accent. Do you have anything else? I'm trying to think of other things. I think. I think we covered all our bases. We got the John Krasinski, John Lithgow cameo, which is very important. We made sure to cover that. Yeah. We talked about Beyonce for 20 straight minutes. <laughs> we are dream girls. Mm-hmm. We'll make you happy. <laughs> Did you get any inspiration for like your own music? Are you working on anything right now? Uh, Not necessarily. Kind of. I mean, I would, I would probably like to. I, I do a little bit of sampling sometimes to make little house beats because it's fun, and I'd probably sample oh, yeah. something. You gotta from, sam- You have to sample disco and house beats. That's like <laughs> the only thing I know. I get ultra sued by Warner Music Group if I tried to put these any literally anywhere. But like, I'd probably sample like the intro of "Step Into the Bad Side" on like a house track. It could be fun, and I'll, yeah. I'll let uh, I don't know, only Persia and no one else hear it if I ever do it. Do, do we have like an outro? Did we end? <laughs> um, yeah. You want to um, pitch yourself? My name's Will. I have a Twitter. 
It's at Wallapratt, W-A-L-A-P-R-A-T. I'm in two bands, but I'm not going to name drop them because they haven't really done anything yet. But I will one day. Um, that's it. Worst garbage, the online.